you? I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey, you guys, and welcome to another episode of the Women With Fire podcast. It is Thursday, and I guess I always sing on Thursdays. You have a, sorry, it's just going to happen. You have Michelle and Sarah. And disclaimer, this is the last episode of season three for the Women With Fire. This is nuts. (laughs) This is a little bit nuts. So we are so excited um, because this is the last episode, and this is the right episode to end on because it's, we're going to talk about the arrival. Now, wait a minute. If you've never heard about the quest before, and this is where you're starting, will you please go back to episode 48 and listen to that episode? And because it'll make a lot more sense what we're talking about here. So let's start with today. We're going to be talking about, you have done your quest. You've arrived. Congratulations. We are so excited that you have made it to your quest. Um, so we, at the very beginning, gave you the visualization that a quest, it's like a switchback, right? So you're going up the mountain. And once you finish your quest, it's not like you're done. It's not like that you've like arrived at the top of the mountain, but you are closer, right? And then you're able to take the next step upon the switchback. So with the arrival, what you are really going to see here is that the real reason you went on your quest Yes, the real reason you went on your quest was to help other people. It was to um, educate moms. It was to um, help your family come together. Whatever your quest was, yeah, that is one of the reasons. But when you get to the arrival, you realize that the whole reason you are on your quest is self-discovery. It's so that you can become closer to God. Every quest, every quest should lead you to that point. And as we think about that incredible mountain that you have been climbing and the adversary that you have met, the sweet, peaceful moments that you have received from divine help, the guides you've met along the way, it is a marvelous experience. And the great thing about how God works in your life is that even as you see yourself coming to a close with a quest, and sometimes it comes to a close just naturally because you've met a deadline or you've accomplish something by helping your baby sleep through the night or you've repaired a friendship or whatever it may be like it can feel like you know total closure like it actually ends Um, but more often than not you are stepping right into another quest and that is cool because the arrival really gets your adrenaline pumping because you can see how you've come. You can see how you've changed the people that you've met. All those things have happened. And so what has happened is you have had a lot of self-discovery and you now have a change in perspective. And that is the word of the day with the arrival because of that switchback that you've taken or multiple switchbacks that you've taken. No, you are not at the top of the mountain, but you are certainly higher up on the horizon. You're in a better position to, to see clearly who you are, who others are, and, and to move forward in a more fulfilling way in your life. And that's what makes this experience so beautiful. And you know what? You can buddy up with some pretty amazing 
people from the scriptures because we've got to go back to Nephi, Michelle. We've got oh, to. I he's been you. the man of the season. <laughs> Let's talk about Nephi and how his perspective has changed. And I have to say, I went through five years at BYU. No, I did not fail. I was just in a long program at BYU. <laughs> but I went through five years at BYU religion classes all the time. And I've never had any instructor or any seminary teacher point out this fairly small detail in Nephi and his perspective. And here Michelle brings it to the table. So take it away, Michelle. <laughs> Bring it home with Nephi. <laughs> okay. So you know I love Nephi. So the great thing is, okay, so in the first chapter we, of Nephi, we get the background and we see that um, Lehi, Nephi's dad, is the prophet and he's asked to leave Jerusalem. And then in the second chapter, they are, they've left Jerusalem, right? And let me, I'm going to read to you, this is in chapter two, that's important. I'm going to read to you um, verse 16. It's right after it says, my father dwelt in a tent. And it says, and it came to pass that I, Nephi, being, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having a great desire to know the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me, and did soften my heart, and I did believe all the words which my father had spoken Wherefore, I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. Okay, this is one of the reasons I love Nephi so much, because here is his decision point. Is he going to choose to make the quest that he's compelled to go on, right? He had to go with his dad. Is he going to make it a quest where he learns, he becomes, you know, changes and increases his perspective? Or is he going to stay stagnant like Laman and Lemuel? This is his decision point, okay? Then we have, after he decides he's visited of the Lord, he goes and gets Sam on his, his side, and then um, they are asked to go back to Jerusalem. And we talked about that in in um, two previous podcasts ago, and we really talked about, you know, what happens there. Okay, so right as they're leaving Jerusalem, after they've gotten the plates, they've already talked to, they've already killed Laban, and they have the plates, and you know, at the very end, Zoram, one of the servants of Laban, follows Nephi out because he thinks that Nephi is Laban. And on the way out, when Nephi reveals that he's not Laban, Zoram goes to leave. Okay, so this is in chapter four. Remember how Nephi just described himself in chapter two? He said, um, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature. Okay, and this is just two chapters later after his quest to go get the plates. And he says, and now I, Nephi, being a man large in stature and also having received much strength of the Lord, therefore I did seize upon the servant of Laban and held him that he should not flee. Do you see the perspective change in just two chapters of Nephi? Like it's not even the end of that chapter. It's the middle where he is completely changed and his perspective is changed because he now knows that when he that he can do it. He can hear the Lord's voice and he can go forward. He was led by the spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Nevertheless, he went forth. And because of that, because he chose to quest at the very beginning, um, he chose to quest. And he said yes to his dad saying, go back and get the plates. And because of that, he met some opposition, man. He had divine help with those angels. They came down. Sam was on his side. And then he had to go forward in faith. He was successful, and because of that, his complete perspective of himself had changed because now he knows God. He knows God will answer. He knows God will be there, and he knows how to listen to the Spirit. 
And that is the point. How many times do we have to say that, Sarah? But that is the whole point of this, right? Is because, because Heavenly Father is giving us, giving us opportunities to grow. He's giving us quests so that we become closer to him. And it's going to be hard. Our brothers might turn on us and beat us and we, but we might get to see an angel. Um, and then at the end of this, we will have increased our confidence in the Lord and also receiving much strength of the Lord. And that is the point. This is so extraordinary in my mind because how many of us are sitting here wishing that we could boost up our own perspectives of who we are and what we are capable of doing. I have no doubt that every single person, every single listener listening to this podcast right now wishes that they had more confidence in themselves, more perspective on who they are and how God feels about them and what is possible in their lives. That is not this really like random thing that that Nephi experienced as far as him being able to view himself differently. This is a common problem in our day is that we lose sight of who we are. And we know from previous podcasts that we've talked about and the examples in the scriptures that that is often what the adversary will attack very, very first. So I want to tell you, can I go to the next verse? I mean, the next next chapter of Nephi? Because yes. something else go, is go, really go. cool about this. I'm really excited about this part because when I think about Nephi going to get into the plates, I have a lot of questions. Like, why... Why don't they just take the plates when they were there a chapter before, right? And um, so, but it all comes together for me in this. I think it was for Nephi. I think it was for a lot of different reasons. But in chapter five, um, we get a glimpse on how Nephi's mom, Sariah, is feeling about her sons being sent back to Jerusalem. And we we kind of get in on her, like, just... um inner turmoil of what's happening. Cause she's like looking at her husband, the prophet and being like, how could you have done this? You took us away. Our sons are going to die in Jerusalem. And, and um, she says, you're a visionary man. And, and he says, yep, I am a visionary man. And that's why we're here. And then um, here comes the sons. Okay. And she says, now I know of a surety that the Lord hath commanded my husband to flee into the wilderness. Yay. And I also know of a surety that the Lord hath protected my sons and delivered them out of the hands of Laban, and given them power, whereby they could accomplish the thing which the Lord hath commanded them. And after this manner of language did she speak. I love this so much because we see that sometimes we have to go through certain trials, like sending our sons to Laban's house, um, to where we can see God's hand. We can see that he loves us enough to to really command us to do hard things. And then he will be there for us. And I wonder sometimes, I, I mean, I don't know the whole reason of why they had to go back to Jerusalem, but I wonder if one of the main reasons is so that Sariah, Nephi's mom could have a testimony because she was going to have to do a lot of hard things, a lot more hard things than that. And if she wouldn't have known of a surety that the Lord hath commanded her husband to flee into the wilderness, I wonder if things would have turned out differently. But because the Lord gave this quest to Nephi, she she was able to have a testimony and to bear her next quest better. And that's 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 the switchbacks, right? We keep building upon each, on each switchback so that we can become closer to Christ in in God's way. And this is where the the golden nugget really comes in because the point was not 
getting the plates. The point was putting Nephi, Laman, Lemuel, Sam, Sariah, Lehi through those experiences of getting the plates. Because if you believe in an all-powerful God, God could have easily dropped those plates from the heavens and said, here you go, or made them or taken them from <laughs> Laban's house and delivered them the first time. All of these things could have been done in a more effective and efficient way if the point is simply getting from A to Z. If Z is the point, God can take care of it, and we've got a whole other discussion going on. And I've got to bring in Lord of the Rings here because there is a really <laughs> funny parody out there about, I'm sure you've seen these videos, that it's something like how the Lord of the Rings should have ended or something like that. So if you've never seen Lord of the Rings, it's like a three-part trilogy, um, massive book, and, you know, it's like 12 hours of, of your viewing enjoyment, um, battle after battle, character after character. And it's all about Frodo, our wonderful quester who is along with his slash sort of guide friend Sam and Gandalf another guide and he is trying to get the ring into the the big Mordor what's it called the lava the lava the lava place of Mordor <laughs> right <laughs> you read the book I haven't Sarah. Just come on caught. okay so his goal the whole point of his quest from A to Z is he needs to get to Mordor and drop the ring in the fire at Mordor. That's the goal. Now, this parody really makes fun of this incredibly long trilogy because it says, this is how the Lord of the Rings could have ended. Frodo could have been asked to deliver the ring um, and he starts his quest and then he asks Gandalf, hey Gandalf, any ideas how we can get this ring into the ring of fire? And Gandalf immediately calls in those giant eagles that arrive at the very, very, very end on the, you know, the 12th hour, 13th hour um, of Lord of the Rings. And the eagles come swooping in and they take the ring from Frodo and they fly straight to Mordor and they drop it in and it's over in less than 30 seconds. Okay? <laughs> the whole thing is over. And you chuckle about it because it's like, well... We missed a lot, didn't we? Because why didn't they just call in those eagles? And I'll tell you why. It's because it's not about the ring. It's about Frodo. It's about Sam. It's about Legolas. It's about the king. It's about Gandalf. It's about all of these experiences that are meant to happen through the quest. That is what the goal is. And to bring it a little bit home, I've heard the most wonderful conversion story that really reminds me of this, of how often, and Michelle has heard me say this way too many times to count, but I think the podcast has only heard it zero times, so here we go, is that the Lord will move mountains for one person. I have seen it time and time again. The Lord will move mountains for one person, including you. This is my story. There is a wonderful family that I know whose mother was talking about how they had no roots in any kind of faith or worship or belief system. They were living in South Dakota, her and her husband, and they were living in an area of South Dakota that was, she felt, overrun by what she felt was a very zealous religious group. They were very, she felt they were very aggressive in, in their conversion ideas and in knocking on doors and in you know, spreading material and like all this stuff. And she had absolutely had it, absolutely had it. And she's actually a really nice woman, but she said, I was at the end of my rope. I was going to be that person that if they came to my door, I was going to scream. I was going to yell. I was so sick of being preached preach to. 
She didn't want anything to do with it. And she was starting to express her anger. It had really turned into anger um, with her husband. And so they had turned rather bitter towards this religious group in their area in South Dakota. And lo and behold, in the midst of her anger, she's there doing the dishes in their kitchen. And in front of their sink, there's a window that looks out into their driveway in front of their house. And as she's looking out there, there are two young men dressed in white shirts and ties. And she didn't clarify whether she saw name badges or not. And that's, t that's really not important. But she recognized them as religious preachers coming towards her door. And one of them was her brother, who she had not seen in nearly three years. And her heart just stopped. This brother, that this was way before the day of cell phones or anything like that, that this brother that she had not seen in over three years was walking towards her house. She puts down the dishes. She runs out the front door and goes running down the driveway to these two young men and throws her arm around her brother. She pulls back after giving him a hug and realizes it is not her brother, but is rather a 19-year-old LDS missionary who looks very much like her brother. And she was very embarrassed and said, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I am so sorry, I thought you were my brother. And this brilliant 19-year-old looks at her and he says, I am your brother, and I have a message from father. <laughs> Isn't that I love greatest? him. I love him. Man, if that was your kid, wouldn't you want that like, I know. recorded? <laughs> yes, I it's love that. It's the greatest story. And long story short, she did convert to the LDS gospel and is a faithful member to this day. But that that is not neither here nor there. Her message from that story is that the Lord knew where her heart was at that point in time, as far as her anger towards organized religion and, and proselyting and door to door and everything like that. And she said, the only way that God could have ever gotten in a true message into my home was if he sent my brother to my home and that God did do that. And she goes even further to say, I have no doubt that when that little 19-year-old boy got his mission call to South Dakota, that there were lots of jokes and laughing and maybe making fun of where he had been called to go, this little South Dakota missionary. And that is when she brings home that point that God had moved mountains for her because she needed that specific 19-year-old boy to show up on her driveway who looked just like her brother and who would have the boldness to bring that message from father. And that is a prime example to me of why we don't call in the eagles from the very first moment. That is why. It is all because God knows us and it is all about the process in which you've come and the perspective that she now has. She can never forget that experience of how God changed two years of a young man's life, of where he would go and where he would serve, and in fact, maybe get made fun of a little bit about it, just so that she could recognize a brother in her driveway and have truth brought into her life. And that is something that I hold on to. I hold on to her experiences and recognize that God will move mountains for one person, including me. Now, a small break. A word from those who make this podcast possible.
podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. Email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash Entreport to get started. And now back to the Women With Fire podcast. So I, the thing that is the best about this is that um, one of the things that you said is that she will never forget that. She will never forget that God did that for her. Now, hers was, you know, resulted in a complete life change, complete conversion. And this is, and so she's not going to forget. But forgetting is one of the easiest things um, that Satan sends to us when we've arrived. Because we will forget. Because he throws things in our path that make us forget our testimony, forget our experiences. And just because we're immortal and we're getting older and we have a million kids, sometimes we forget stuff. <laughs> but um, so when we're at your arrival and even like in Nephi's case, um, he had a lot of other quests that he was going on. Right. And he kept going. And sometimes he had some quests within a quest. And so I really think that it's important to remember, remember the things that we have learned along the way. And that is why we are counseled all the time to write down our spiritual experiences, because whether that's a spiritual experience where we recognize that we have arrived or we recognize God's hand in our lives or the heavenly messengers, you know, that that are sent to us. If we do not write those down and acknowledge that they happen, thank our Heavenly Father for them, then sometimes it can be as if they didn't happen. And um, I was looking in the scriptures and remember, I know people know this, but it was like over 300 times that remember is in the Bible and the Book of Mormon combined. And that's a big deal. That means that Heavenly Father wants us to remember and remember him. And these experiences can be long lasting, not just for our lives, but like Sarah's saying is that her friend's experience changed her life because she remembered and was sharing her testimony along the way. So as you are looking down, your perspective has changed. Remember to remember whether that's sharing with someone, whether that's writing it down for posterity, whether that's bearing testimony, whatever it is, remember to remember. And sometimes God will allow things to be extra painful to help you remember those things. And I think that, that we've got to have a reality check that way. These quests are not always chuck full of moment by moment by moment of divine help and, and, and guides that are just constantly, you know, right there helping you through everything like that. There is real struggle when you are questing. And a lot of those painful experiences will allow this quest and the things that you've learned and the perspective that you've gained to really stick with you so you remember and we cheer you on if you are in the middle of some of those painful 
moments of your quest, even if you're compelled to quest or if you've chosen to quest, there is pain on both ends that happen. And I have had an experience just recently, and you know, Michelle and I have talked a lot about this, um, of, you know, I have been in a situation where I have always had the grand opportunity to share my testimony whether it was a missionary, whether, you know, I did a lot of speaking and I was constantly in this situation where I could buoy people up. You know, I had, you know, callings that allowed me to teach and these speaking engagements and all this stuff where I felt like I was constantly able to testify and bring forward my experiences that I had had, helping me remember what God had done for me. And then this crazy year happens here. And this is a current situation for me. Um, where I'm in a situation in which for what one reason or another, I am not in those situations where I'm constantly testifying and booing people up and teaching and that kind of thing. And because of that, I have put myself, I dare say that into a situation where I have felt quite alone where I am. And I, and I'm talking very much in my, um, in my physical whereabouts, like when I am there to worship at church, I, I'm the one that's alone. I'm the one that is feeling alone and that is um, feeling, I wouldn't even say unfulfilled. This is a tough thing to talk about. Like this is obviously very personal to me, but I want to get it across that even if someone has a record of constantly testifying and booing people up and, and being in that situation where they, they feel like they're very constant in bringing forth the work of the Lord, that doesn't mean that these moments of loneliness and feeling forgotten don't exist. And as I've sat in there, I have thought a lot about this compelled to quest moment for me. And what, what is it that I am learning here? What is it? Because I, I have sat in lots of conversations with my dear friends over the past 36 years, um, as we've talked about Oh, you know, do you like your ward? Do you like your ward? Oh, yeah, I like my ward. Do you like your ward? Oh, it's okay. I'm not really sure. And I'm the person that five years ago I would have said, well, get involved, you know, get involved, get a responsibility and get in there and make the best of it, et cetera, et cetera. That would have been my classic response, right? And I am now in a situation where I am understanding it. And the Lord has blessed me not to be finished with this quest, so to speak, but oh, how my perspective has changed. And oh, how my empathy has grown, has grown for those women who I should have been more empathetic to years and years ago when we were discussing these things. And I was just reading in our most recent conference issue from Elder Ballard, and a quote really sank to me because he is talking about me in his talk, lucky me. He talks about me. (laughs) He said, in our discipleship, we have many demands, concerns, and assignments. However, some activities must always be at the heart of our church membership. Wherefore, the Lord commands, be faithful, stand in the office which I have appointed unto you, succor the weak, lift up the hands which hang down, and strengthen the feeble knees. Now, listeners, I have never been the weak. I have never been the person whose hands were hanging down. I have never had the feeble knees. That has never been me until this small period of time. And here I sit. Okay. I hope it's okay that I'm this honest with you. But this is what Elder Ballard says about it. He says, this is the church in action. 
This is pure religion. This is the gospel in its true sense that we succor, lift, and strengthen those in in spiritual and temporal need. Doing so requires us to visit them and to assist them that their testimonies of faith in Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and His atonement will be anchored in their hearts. And man, that has given me empathy for what the point of church worship is. And that is to lift and that is to strengthen and that is to succor the weak. And what it feels like to be on the receiving end of that, what it feels like to be on the giving end of that are both valuable, valuable, valuable experiences. But what I have found is that just as we talk about this remarkable conversion story uh, in South Dakota, that the Lord will move mountains to help her realize truth in her life and to share it with me and other people, the Lord will also move mountains for you. And sometimes it's painful. And sometimes it's uncomfortable, but that really that arrival will happen. That perspective will come and that that perspective is always worth it and necessary for you because he cares about you. And I know that that seems like a really crazy thing to kind of end the arrival on as far as my own experiences, but I have come to find that God cares about me more than I ever could have dreamt of and that he is willing to put have these experiences happen in order to help us develop empathy and purpose and perspective. And Sarah, like your experience, because you see it for what it is, is not lost in it just being hard because you could just endure this time and not learn what you need to learn. And I think what you're doing is being prepared for a time when you will be, you will be more visible and will be able to see those people who need you. And because that's the change, right? That's the change that we're talking about is that, that kind of our eyes are opened a little bit to the struggle that other people are having. And we have to have the struggle ourselves to be able to figure that out and, and be aware of those who need us. Because just like that missionary was prepared to help your friend, like you could be being prepared right now to help someone specifically. And that's the beautiful part is it's all intertwined and it's all really to help each other up on the path. Like we're not on this quest alone. I hope you never feel that way, it, it, but you will, you will feel like you're on, you're alone, but, um, but it's, it's really to help everyone rise up to God. And, and so we're there to help each other. Um, and so this quest is the best. <laughs> But it does, it has helped me um, just recognize the experiences for what they are. Say so this is hard and that's okay. It's okay that it's hard. It doesn't mean I'm doing something wrong. It probably means I'm doing something right. And that God will always send help. And it doesn't mean it's not painful, but he will always send help. And so we really hope that you have loved the quest because we're not done talking about it, sister. <laughs> not the end. <laughs> But we are giving you the summer off so you can dive deep. Um, but we will, we will be picking up in, in the fall and starting our next season. And guess what? Sarah and I, do you know I live in California and Sarah lives in Louisiana and we are coming together for one night only? Just kidding. (laughs) But really, but that's really really what it is. We're really (laughs) We are going to be hanging out on July 17th in Utah in Salt Lake. 
And so we want to hang out with you and we want to talk about your quests and we want to dive in and we want to hug you and cheer you on. And just, just know that we really do like, just want to give you a big old hug and tell you that we are so thankful that you are listening and also so amazed at all the good that you are doing. Um, and so if you want to come hang out with us, um, will you go to womenwithfire.com slash meetup and then you can sign up so we can send you all the details. Okay. Cause we want you there. We want to hang out with you. Um, and we are so excited to like see you in real life. And this is the great part of the whole shebang is being around other people who are speaking the same language, who are striving for that arrival, who are striving to learn, who are willing to learn, who are excited for these experiences and who are taking risks. It has been so incredible this season as we've opened up the quest and heard you talking about it. And as we've mentored people and worked with people to just see how gutsy and awesome you are. It has just been so inspiring. And to see you come together and discover how deep your why is and how God has confirmed that to you and provided experiences for you. Ah, it has just been so incredibly valuable to see how this has resonated and pushed you forward to do some extraordinary things. And I will echo the words of prophets and leaders of our day that now is the time for us to be embracing these quests. We have never lived in a time like this. We've never had the opportunity. We've never had the technology to make all of this happen. Now is the time. Now is the time. So even if you've been listening to the quest and the whole time you've been thinking, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's fun to listen to and it's inspiring, but I don't really have a quest. Oh, we're calling you out. You totally <laughs> have a quest and we would love to talk to you about it. So we will plan on seeing you on July 17th in Salt Lake City as we dive further into the quest and get you together so we can get you pumped up, rocking and rolling on this incredible journey. So thanks so much for joining us for season three. You are the best. And we'll see you at thewomenwithfire.com slash meetup. And we'll see you in July. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.